Hi folks, Dennis Allen with The Disciple Dilemma. Glad you could join us today. We're looking at the arts and being a disciple in the arts. Our guest today, Corey Bonnet from New Vision Studios in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Corey's been working with the metal casting industries in his artwork. And we're going to see some fascinating examples of that. And we're going to talk to Corey about what it's like in there. What's it like to be an artist in the Christian worldview and working with people? What are the obstacles, challenges, temptations, and problems, as well as the opportunities? So let's join our co-host, Raymond Monroe, as he hosts. Gee, Corey, it's great to have you on our podcast today. I'm delighted you were able to join us. As you and I have talked in the past, I'm deeply impressed with your work not just the quality of your art, but the meaning that's embedded in it and behind it. And so um, your website, of course, is coreybonnet.com, C-O-R-Y-B-O-N-N-E-T.com. And certainly I'd encourage people to go look and see all of the projects you've been deeply involved in. You and I had just a fascinating telephone conversation when I first called you that lasted, I think, almost an hour because we went almost immediately from your art to what it all meant, because you had a big project, Patterns of Meaning, and that's going to be some of our concentration today. But certainly your background is broader than that. And so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you're going about capturing the meaning of the industry um, in your art that you're using artifacts from that industry to do? How is it that you get the inspiration? How do you identify the sort of um, image you want to put there? And what meaning, to, to use that phrase, are you really trying to embed in, extract from, or illustrate with some of your work? Well, thanks for having me. Um, you know, that first conversation we had, uh, I was expecting a quick phone call right? And we ended up talking for an hour, probably could have talked for another couple hours. Um, yeah, the, the, so patterns of meaning, you know, this collection of foundry patterns that we pulled out of a barn in Ohio, um, just those artifacts are inspiring to me. Uh, when we first walked into the barn, these patterns were stacked floor to ceiling, uh, you know, 12 feet high, filling an entire 80 foot by 40 foot space. So the initial feeling was just overwhelming. Um, and then when you started to look at each piece as being, you know, completely unique and individual, you know, made by hand in order to cast some other part, it was, again, uh, you know, I, I'll use the word overwhelming a lot, talking about patterns of meaning, because um, the amount of time and man hours that we were staring at in this barn um, is just unimaginable to me, you know, all to make parts for other machines that make other things. And that's where, um, that line of thinking just, uh, sometimes it's almost too much, but, you know, I, I can look at these things, um, and I have a, a bunch all around, but just simple things like a core box, you know, and there, there are thousands of these in our collection. Um, and thinking, and looking at historic images of steel mills, um, I love to read about industry and big projects, anything that's, that seems like uh, that's way bigger than 
than what people should be able to make or that when I look at it, I, I just, I, the first question that pops in my head is how did they do that? Um, is, you know, what I want to convey with my work. So the large sculptural pieces that I've done recently, you know, were designed and created to make people feel that when they're standing in front of a 12 foot tall, two ton sculptural painting, I want them to feel uh, like they're standing in a mill, you know, with, without having to stand in the mill. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can just see how, here's another, like the imagery, it's kind of hard in this lighting, I guess, but the imagery of the mill just goes really well with the patterns and the boxes. Um, the inspiration is, uh, you know, I don't have to really think or do much. Uh, I just, you know, accentuate these smaller pieces just by adding a, some of the imagery from the mills. Corey, how did you get there? How, how did you end up with art instead of being a doctor or, or <laughs> being an airline pilot or something? How, how did you get there? Well, uh, I was a terrible student and <laughs> I loved, I loved to draw. Um, you know, I had, uh, you know, our house was, we had a full house. I have three brothers, um, uh, for, until I was in fifth grade, it was a single mom raising us. So I, I would, you know, spend a lot of my class time, uh, drawing sketchbooks on note, instead of taking notes, I'd be drawing. Um, so when I graduated, I just kind of always knew from when I was young, you know, when I was, I just love to draw in color and uh, look at things and try to put them down on paper um, to, to understand them better. Graduated college with a degree in drawing and a minor in art history. Uh, just a public service announcement. If you're looking for a career, don't graduate with a degree in drawing and a degree in art history. It really limits your prospects. So I got into graphic design uh, worked through that, but I, uh, my last semester in college, I took one painting class and it just opened everything up. It was, I knew it was exactly what I wanted to do. So mm. when I graduated, even though I was working in an office job, um, I'd paint every night, uh, and just continued doing that for years until eventually through all sorts of, um, you know, circumstances out of my control it turned into a full-time job uh, so i i mean I, I i look at art this is now a slope-headed neanderthal who's about to talk about art but here we go you know i i think about walking into the new york museum of modern art and i see 400 dixie cups laying on the floor with a big guardrail around it saying this is a work of art how, how, do you, how do you personally, as a disciple of Christ, come to say, this is excellence in my work, and this is how I pour excellence into what I do? How, how, do, you, how do you get that out of art? So I was fortunate that that last semester in school, the painting class I took, and this speaks exactly to that, I had had a series of teachers that were kind of, you know, do what you want in my class. 
you figure it out. And all I could think of was I'm paying to go to school to be instructed to learn <laughs> what the techniques are so I can apply them. Maybe once I learn them, I'll abandon them and try other stuff, but I need to learn how to do it all first. And this teacher I had for painting, I had had previously for the two hardest classes I ever took, which was drawing human anatomy and anatomy of the human head. His name's Jim McMurray. And he was not interested in what the students thought. He was not interested in what they felt like drawing. It was, this is how you do it. Conceptual art for me, if you have to, art to me is visual. If it's visual art, your message should come across in your image, okay? Or at least a powerful enough message should come through that image without explanation. The story and the explanation are in addition to whatever that initial reaction is to the image. A lot of conceptual art takes a whole manual to go with it so that you understand what the intent or, or then can have a reaction to it. Like, you know, uh, after you read the whole, uh, you know, 10 page description of what you're looking at, you know, a pile of laundry or Dixie cups, um, <laughs> then it's, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is brilliant. And it's like, uh, you know, if you're a visual artist, you really should be able to convey more just from the initial image. So, so Corey, that's really interesting because one of the things we're talking about a lot in discipleship and making disciples is that Jesus calls us to go discipling, not go make disciples, but go discipling, which really means we're supposed to engage people with the love of Christ and show, show them what it means to worship, serve, love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yet we live in a culture where we think that people are supposed to self-actualize and they're supposed to create the meaning in their life rather than grapple with the meaning that God has embedded in life. And it right. sounds like you're really more involved in trying to express the meaning that you see in life rather than trying to self-actualize so that you're communicating who you are you're trying to commute what uh, communicate what god has actually shown you or shared with you how in the world do we communicate with the friends and others that our art our efforts are not an exercise in self-actualization but a real love for god and love for our neighbor so i think it's through example and action you know I think you can talk a lot about it. I have the benefit of, you know, after, let's say I'm working on a show and that could take two years to develop and create all the artwork for it. And it doesn't happen all at once. It's a, you know, systematic incremental process that builds and builds and builds. But at the end of that two years of, you know, following that process, I can stand in the center of it all and undeniably see the manifestation of my, you know, devotion to my work and what I'm doing. And everyone else can see it too, yes. which to me, I think is powerful. So the only way I can do that is if I'm, you know, getting up at 4.30 in the morning I don't have to tell everybody that. Well, I guess I just did. Um, <laughs> but working 
and, and looking where sacrifice is necessary in order to get some, you know, beyond what I think I want, you know, it's kind of push away the distraction and what isn't necessary. Focus on, um, you know, it would be the, the narrow path, right? What's truly sure. important here is my, if, if you're not making the decisions at the small levels that are the ones that add up the most, right? Most of life is small decisions. Correct. If you're, if you're not moving in the right direction on all of those, you just get so far off course, you're no good to anyone, not yourself, not your family, not your community. When we talk about discipling in, in particular, it's really more what you were talking about, a peer-to-peer relationship. And you're yeah. an artist, but you're also involved in the historical background of that informs the art that you make. And so have you benefited from other believers who are involved in either these um, either these buildings that you work on or the industry you work in? And, and does that really not only help inform you, but shape you as a disciple? So I was at a meeting that was a, uh, for a uh, community effort in the Strip District here in Pittsburgh. And after the meeting, I was talking to this guy. I never, I didn't recognize him. You know, uh, we talked for about an hour about this building he had. And, you know, I have a background in sustainable building. I'm a lead professional. He's like, well, my building's lead platinum. You know, you should come up and see it sometime. And after about an hour of talking about buildings and historic preservation, he gave me his card and I gave him mine. He said, oh, you're an oil painter? I said, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. And he said, you know, you look really familiar. Like, Do you go to Ingemar Church? I said, yeah. He's like, I knew it. He's like, we've watched your family grow. We sit in the back. You sit in the front. Like, we've watched you guys grow for 10 years. Um, and that was the connection. He came. Uh, I have a gallery in the Strip District. I invited him to see my work there. It's the second floor of a building. He walked up the steps. And as soon as he got to the top, he said, this is exactly what we want in our building. You know, would you come see it? Would you consider uh, uh, being a part of our mission there? And it, that was March 1st, 2020. It's when I signed the agreement. And then, uh, you know, the world shut down two weeks later. So it was a that's a whole that's a whole other story you know what what that next two years looked like so is the plan with your site there to have it open to the public so people can come watch you or are you a private person that doesn't want anybody looking over your shoulder when you got the paint (laughs) you know i work on big stuff that uh the the idea was create a lot of work large scale work because of the space I had at my disposal open up to the public for shows and to bring in, we're in the Hill district in Pittsburgh, um, bring in people from the neighborhood that had an interest, you know, high school, grade school that had an interest in art uh, or, you know, wanted to learn about being creative and uh, do some, programming for them uh i i'd worked with a 
an organization that helped kids that had aged out of foster care. And the idea I had with them, with art, again, was this idea of incremental improvement, which you can show real easily with art or with music, that if you just practice a little bit every day over an extended period of time, boy, you really see improvement. You can't deny it. You can hear it on a piano. You can see it if you're drawing. Um, and, you know, that had a pretty good impact with uh, a number of the kids I was talking to because it gives them control over something too, right? Um, in, a, sure. in a situation like theirs, they've had no control over their lives to really any degree. But now it's, well, if you're creating something, you kind of have control over that little area, right? That's, that's yours to control and, and to create. That's amazing. I mean, that's a great description of what it means to be a disciple of Christ with him teaching you how to do it. You don't have to do everything at once, you know, um, set attainable goals. Steel is proof that God loves us. Um, just like water, when water freezes, it floats. So the fishies can live at the bottom during the winter and they don't get frozen. And with steel, when I take iron that's got carbon in it and I get it red hot, the carbon dissolves. And depending on how fast I cool it, I can make it really strong and hard or really ductile and easy to bend. And so, and all of that's humanly scaled because I can tell what temperature it is by what color it is. Yeah. So it's really just fascinating example of God's goodness to us because it could have just as easily been beyond the scope of our senses to actually work on it. <laughs> Corey, I want to ask you a question about what you do connected with the idea of discipleship. And my question to you is, as a disciple of Christ, what are the temptations, challenges, problems for people in your world, what do you see in here that are challenging, problematic obstacles and just really difficult temptations? Um, you know, I, there's a broad arching issue that you touched on with the, you know, the subjectiveness, I guess, the uh, self-actualization, which to me is represented in um, this relativism, right? Um, if there's no truth or no truth that everyone can agree upon, then everyone's free to do whatever they want with no accountability, everything's subjective. If you can, and especially, you know, I've seen this and, and felt this and, you know, by living it from what I've, read in the Bible, how I've learned to understand things like the Sermon on the Mount and what's laid out in that, that, that these are things that over millennia have been proven to give you your best shot at a meaningful, productive, uh, not always happy, because nobody's always happy, but a meaningful and productive way to carry yourself to endure the suffering that's going to come, to endure the flood that is going to come, to, uh, to at least be in the best position 
to make it through the most difficult times. So, that, you know, you mentioned self-actualization again. It's something we've talked quite a bit about um, because really that's sort of the destruction of meaning rather than the creation of meaning. If I'm trying to find meaning out inside of myself, I'm, I'm a sinner broken. And so when I look inside myself, I'm not going to find answers. It's not a platonic answer kind of world. And so right. I really do need to look outside of myself. But one of the things about your art, it's representational, um, which I think is really good. And so you have to struggle with the, the age old question as, as I have an iPhone. My wife takes 100 pictures a day. I don't know if she thinks heaven is spending time looking at all the pictures we've made. But, right. but representation is really relatively straightforward. And yet you're trying to capture some meaning in the representation you have that's not necessarily um, detailed authenticity, but more of a capture of some meaningful event. How do you balance sort of the, the representation of reality? And then, and then I'll add the question, where do you put people in your own? Yeah.